back at the best of Saturday's racing from around the country and examining the big talking points of the day. This is Pass the Post. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Pass the Post. It's Sunday, June 27. We passed the post yesterday in a very dark eagle farm at the end of the day, but uh, fortunately no rain. It was a great day of racing and a very good crowd. Congratulations to the Tattersalls Club. They, they end up with a great attendance there. And Nathan Exelby, as you join me this morning... Uh, Another great day of racing and, and, and clearly two highlights. Tefane completing the Stradbroke and Tattersall's Tiara double and incentivise another blockbusting performance. It certainly was. Um, again, it sort of left you speechless what incentivise did. And, um, you know, Tefane followed the script really um, of, you know, Stradbroke winners going into that race and uh, she was terrific. So it's a, it's a long way from where she was at the beginning of May going to be sold. She's added another two group ones to the scorecard. The... Carnival, as we've charted week after week, has been an outstanding carnival for, for racing, competitiveness and good betting turnover. But when we start to look back at it, when we're nearly at the end, Sunshine Coast comes up next week to round it out. But it's amazing how we've gone through this carnival and sometimes you'll have a carnival, there's not one great talking point mm. or not, not one great highlight. We started off four or five weeks ago, what could eclipse Zaki? Like yes. What could eclipse Zaki? Won the Demon Cup by seven lengths. Cox played favourite. Yak, yak, yak. All of a sudden, <laughs> along comes Incentivise. Along comes Tefane. Mm. So these are great talking points as well. And here's a situation now where the Caulfield Cup, Melbourne Cup and Cox played favourites all come out yeah. of this carnival. Yeah, and there's possibly some recency bias to that too. But the point you made prior about uh, Zaki, Steve Hewlett put a, a poll up on social media yesterday, which horse would you prefer to take into the Spring Carnival? And it was a 50-50 split between mm. Zaki and Incentivise, which is quite extraordinary given he was winning a benchmark race at Ipswich last week. Well, we'll talk about Tefane, we'll talk about Incentivise and a few other winners. Of course, the Battle of the Bush yesterday as well uh, with rather salubrious winning and uh, Dave Reynolds. Uh, he was absolutely over the moon, the trainer of rather salubrious. We'll chat with him, have a chat with Michael Carl as well, and also with the people connected with Tefane and Incentivise. Big show coming up. Thanks for your company. Let's go to our first replay. This is the Tattersall's Tiara. She was the Stradbroke winner, and putters really rallied to her late in the piece. Tefane, the $3.50 favourite. And it's a loose leader, Dame Giselle. Catch me if you can, she said. Came to the turn, went to the centre of the track, but was a clear leader. Savatiana following through, then Odium, followed by Mizzy. Tafare being called upon, coming right to the outside. Sierra Sue and Sweet Deal closer to the inside. 300 left to run. They got to Dame Giselle. Savatiana went to it. Sweet Deal went to the pair. Tafare run on the outside, is coming home brilliantly. Tafare on the outside, with 100 metres left to go. Went to the lead, trying to go with it as Sweet Deal. But Tafane takes the Stradbroke, takes the Tiara. Tafane, too good, too classy. Big sweet deal and nudge. Not sure about fourth. Madame Rouge there. They're followed then by Emeralds. Wider was subpoenaed. Lyre and Flint busy just behind them. And then came Savatiano. Odium knocking up. Real him in Ruby. Then Yamazaki. Well back was Brooklyn Hustle. Dame Giselle and Coventina Bay. Lust over the line. And class with a capital C. That's Tafane. Certainly was, justified the heavy backing and took the Stradbroke tiara double. We don't see it too often because not too many mares win the Stradbroke. Our first guest this morning we spoke to post-Stradbroke. I feel like we just pulled out the interview from two weeks ago because I don't know what more we're going to say. It's just another Group 1 win. Mike Maroney, good morning. Congratulations. Yeah, thanks very much. But no, look, that was uh, certainly was class for the capital C, all right. She's a very classy mare. Uh, always shown natural talent from day dot and... 
we sort of pointed her into stage class quite early and because of her natural ability. Mike, you were hoping to get up here for the race yesterday, but in the end decided to not to come. What was the situation around that? Yeah, look, I had my flight booked and I cancelled it when there was a, a little bit of warning round about the COVID and they might be closing the airports down and that, which I closed down this morning part of um, Melbourne Airport. So probably the, and it was actually the bit that I was going to be flying back into. So for that reason, I didn't risk it. Um, it's uncertain times and... Uh, Look, Lily's done a great job up there, and um, I didn't want to moz it. I been up there as well. <laughs> I was fortunate enough to, to meet Lily through the week and did some media with her. She was terrific. Um, but she also pointed out you weren't at the all-age stakes last year when, when she won that, so you, you're 0-3 no, and right. have three Group 1 wins. Yeah, you're dead right. The three I've missed out on due to COVID mainly. and <laughs> uh, It's just been one of those things, but um, we've certainly been yelling and screaming for her, and, um, you know, she's had... Yeah, I think four of the owners were there last week and a few the week before, so it's worked out really well on all different owners. So um, a different group was here yesterday, so it's worked out really well for them. Mike, before the tiara, most of us doing the form, it, it seemed to be too simple. She won the Stradbroke under the weight for age conditions. She was beautifully placed. She had the same jockey, and she looked as though she mapped to get the same run, and it turned out exactly that way. It was a very similar watch to the Stradbroke. Was that for you as well? It was. Look, we probably went into it a bit more confident yesterday because we felt that um, a strap broke win was very strong. Um, as you said, that it's a hard race for me to win. They don't do it that often. And they've got to be top class to do it. And uh, even though that was probably one of the better tiara fields assembled, uh, the Group 1 winners from the you know, 1,000 Guineas winners and Sabatiano and a lot of great form, um, we still felt that one, we thought our merit improved because it was only really run four for the, for the campaign. Uh, and that, um, uh, the, the, I, I, as I said to my owners, that the hardest thing to beat is going to be bad luck. Um, I really felt that, that we had her as well as we could get her. And um, it was just a, ma- a matter of just getting luck and running. And um, Craig made sure he did that. He, he um, knows well enough now. And I think that the talk we had on Saturday morning, I think, and, and Gave him the confidence to think that if he was caught wide from that draw, which he was exposed from probably too far out for her, um, that he had confidence in her that she was that fit and um, going that well that she'd still run it out. So, uh, yeah, he's, he's, he's learned quickly about her, and which is great because he's um, had the confidence to sort of ride her a bit further forward and out in the clear a little bit earlier than what we have been riding her because of the, the fact she does get over racing. Uh, you talk about Craig there. <clears throat> there was obviously chaos on Friday with re- regards to the, all the New South Wales jockeys having to go back to Sydney, and that wouldn't have been ideal for for connections of those horses having to get a jockey at the last hour. So, from your perspective, it must have been comforting to know that uh, the the jockey you'd selected that has been with her through the campaign was 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 safely ensconced in in Queensland and, and no dramas around that. Yeah, definitely. We really have that problem, and a lot of them obviously did, and. Um... <clears throat> Which is disappointing, but it's just the way of the world at the moment. And uh, we were just lucky that we had a rider that was willing to stay up there. And um, he obviously had choices and decided to choose our mare. So we're lucky that way. I know when we spoke to you two weeks ago after the Stradbroke, we were looking to her future, um, including the tiara. Well, she's won that now as well. We threw a few ideas around about where she lands in the new racing season. Have you got any sort of clear ideas of where you'd like to aim before now that you're going to at least continue to race her? That's going to be our next job is to sit down for the next two, three weeks because we've got to work out how long we can give her off. 
So we've got to be pretty um, sure of our plans. Um, so we'll, we'll look, there's two or three different ways we can go and we'll throw all those around and work out which way we're going to head. Because it does sort of, um, yeah, as I said, it, it's, the decision's going to have to be made on how long she has out. Mm. Where would you like to head if, 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 if it was just you making oh, look, the decision? The obvious race that stands out to me that was is the right race for her to be in is a mile at, um, for me, is at, at Flemington. Mm. Uh, that looks very winnable, and if you were going as easy as what you could, that would be the easiest uh, option to take without throwing her uh, you know, in against everything. But um, we realise at some stage she's going to have to do that, and um, I think she's now at a full strength. She's only had the, the 22 starts. Um, and certainly, I would say the last uh, six or seven runs she's had, she's learned how to race, and she's getting better at it. I think now's the time that we, you know, we we're probably going to take the, you know, put the gloves on and have a go at some of these better horses in Australia. So, some stage we will, uh, whether it's going to be in the spring or we'll wait till the autumn, we'll just see. But she's got, you know, another twelve months of, of racing in her, um, and you know, she's come off just four runs in the spring and four runs in the um, late autumn winter. So she's had a pretty light season, um, and uh, we feel as if she's got probably the best season in front of her. Um, Mike, I think that's what fifty-two Group Ones wins between you and your brother Paul. Um, in, in terms of him buying a lot of those horses for you, he made some comments on social media overnight, Paul, in regards to being sort of frustrated that uh, the stable doesn't get support from a lot of the breeders back home in New Zealand, despite the fact that I think a big chunk of your um, winners, Group One winners, have have come from New Zealand. Yeah, look, I suppose it's a frustration for my both here um, a little bit. Like I set up in Australia because I. Um, you know, to, to help New Zealand owners run around for a lot of money. Um, and we've got a nice setup there too and been successful there. And um, we're big buyers of yearlings. We're not a stable that's really been given a lot of horses to train. We've had to basically buy buy them and find owners. And uh, we've been lucky enough that we've found some great owners and, and, and it's been a really good team effort between Paul, myself, Anthony uh, and people in New Zealand to get the, get the owners in on that. But it's... Um, It'd be nice to be rewarded with um, you know, a few of the studs supporting us, but because um, we are big buyers and and that, but um, you know we, we can't put their arms at their backs, and, and hopefully we'll, um, we'll we'll get a few more. Thanks for your time this morning. Just before you go, I might be the last one on the block not knowing this, so um, excuse my ignorance. What does Tefane mean? It's actually a, a mountain um, in, in Italy, right? Mountain in Italy, yeah. So. Um, it sounds a little bit of a, it's a uh, cross between a bit of uh, Italian and a bit of Maori coming out, out in the name, but um, it's certainly that's what she's named after as a mountain mountain range in um, in Italy. Well, she's climbed the right mountains on two occasions during the carnival, and she's been a star for us up here and for you as well and your owners. Thanks for your time this morning and thanks for your contribution during the carnival. Okay, my pleasure. Thank you, Mike Moroni, joining us, the trainer of Tefano, and uh, she takes that that double and. Um, We'll see her again in the spring. Yeah, that's right. And probably no reason we can't see her again in the, the autumn next year because um, she's obviously not going to stud this year. So they'll go on the merry-go-round again and um, possibly get sold this time next year. I suppose one question I didn't pose to, to Mike was distance levels. Mm. Uh, he, he mentioned the mile there at, during the, the spring carnival at Flemington. Um, so would, is 2,000 a bridge too far? Well, I've seen, I'm not sure whether it was Paul Moroni said it or not, but um, some talk of like a Queen Elizabeth Stakes tilt next next autumn mm. in Sydney to sort of 
bow out on having a crack at that 2,000 metres. She's by the Cox Plate winner, Ocean Park. So, um, you know, she settles well enough. It's, um, it was a good watch yesterday, I thought. Um, good watch for you. <laughs> but but the, 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 the funny part was when I heard you on Friday morning on um, the, the breakfast program and you liked it, and I must admit, when I did the form on the race, I said, why is she $5? It, yeah. it, 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 the, then you start to think, it's too obvious. Mm. Uh, but, mm. but putters uh, latched on, $3.50, she was heavily backed. No, I think Dane Ripper was five fifty, and Candy was $4. So yeah, it's, a, it's, it's, a, it's a good formula when it comes up. We've talked about this time and time again, but it bears repeating a, a more than honourable mention to Craig Williams. Uh, perfect rides on both times. He was out on the track... I'd say 20 minutes before the race, I saw him and Michael Carl go onto the track, and my first thought was, is there an issue with the track? Mm. But he just wanted to make that last-minute observation, just plot or plot or get in his mind what course he was going to plot, what path he was going to plot, and he did it to the, the, the letter. Yeah, we've talked about the ambassadors that the Carnival's had this this time, David. He, he has to be right up there, doesn't he? Mm. He made the decision to, to base himself here, which wouldn't be a straightforward one when you've got family back home. Um, but he's committed, and it's obviously proved fruitful for him in the races he's won, but he's ridden brilliantly. He arrived up here, and he rode a little Wednesday. I mean, he mm. rode for Bevan Lambing, that horse, Pure Deal. So he was here for about five weeks. He rode ten winners, and most of those at the group had listed level, yeah. if not nearly all of them. So uh, congratulations to him as well. Beaten division, uh, Nudge protested against Sweet Deal, and uh, Larry Cassidy protested and got that protest. That was upheld. Any hard luck stories from your observations? I couldn't find. Yeah, there was one. a few in in the beaten jockey comments where they said they should have finished closer, but she was pretty comprehensive in the end. Nudge has been a bit of a revelation since mm. coming to Queens. I just had it pegged as a run of the mill type mare, but she's gone to another level up here. And to come back from sixteen hundred to the fourteen yesterday, she's obviously airborne. And I suppose a few of those that competed yesterday—that's the last time we'll see them. The three Godolphin ones—that's it for them. Certainly, Savatiano and Flit are gone from the James Cummings' perspective, and and Liar from Anthony and Sam Friedman, so, so that's it for them. And I think Exhilarates as well, the Magic Millions winner, that's her last run. Um, so four, four pretty handy mares going yeah. to the Godolphin breeding operation this they, year. They've done well for the operation. Well, that was the TR. Let's go to what I consider the other main highlight, and I'm sure many did as well, was this uh, performance of Incentivise to win the Group 3 Tattersall's Cup. Again, it was a huge winning margin. Here's the replay. Up to the turn down the Tats Cup and incentivise. He goes for Homer. Let's see what he can offer in the straight. Let's see what he can do, folks. The margin, 4-5. From in second position, Mirage Dancer. Then Robocash. Southern France just battling away. Then Savvy Oak. They've got 200 metres left to run. And incentivise. He is a mile in front. This is absolutely glorious to watch, ladies and gentlemen. I don't know where it will end, but we know it began in the Brisbane winter of 2021. I'll try and get the margin right. Ten and a half from either Mirage Dancer or Traduce. Roma Cash fourth, Southern France, Savvy Oak, and then Gaelic, and then Meerkat, and then Badge of Gameness. Last over the line. That is one hell of an animal. Yeah, margin wrong again. It was 12 lengths. <laughs> they, they keep doing it to me, the judges. 12 lengths when the judge called a halt and incentivised, extended his winning sequence to six, and I haven't tallied up the aggregate of the, the, uh, the margins, but... It, must be uh, over 40 lengths or something. <laughs> the figures are astonishing. Look, I thought we'd, we'd, we'd do it from a different perspective uh, in talking about incentivise. We'll have a chat with Steve Trigay, but I wanted to talk to Anthony Allen, who's been the regular partner of incentivise, and he joins us this morning. Anthony, good morning. This has been a really memorable time for you, I'm sure. 
Does it feel like you're going that fast on him, Anthony? What's it like to have a horse like that underneath you that's just putting such a space in his rivals? Uh, well, look, honestly, just knowing you're on the best horse in the race just makes the confidence and excitement even bigger. But um, when he lets down, he lets down big, and he sort of, it's a big stride, he sort of gathers a lot of ground, but he doesn't feel explosive. Like, he doesn't feel like he's flicking away like he does on TV. But, um, no, nah, just him running through the line like he does, yeah, it's just good thrill. <laughs> I want to ask you this question. You won the maiden on him, which was back on the 11th of April at the Sunshine Coast. So... It's just over two months this has all all been happening. Tell me from your perspective, from, from your perspective, this horse, is, is he maturing? Is he? Have you noticed differences in him over those last two months? Well, look, honestly, the first couple of rides I've had on him, he didn't really give me much. Um, he actually made the, made the job a little harder than, the, <laughs> than what he's making it now. But um, after his first win, the penny sort of dropped a bit. And, yeah, he's just every win he's sort of getting a bit more confidence. Like yesterday, I was telling Steve, he's um, he's sort of just feeling above himself, which I didn't expect to being a backed up after last week. And I thought he'd be on the, you know, sort of on the on the way out, more relaxed. I thought, but yesterday he was he just it's a big game to him. He was actually pumped. He's sort of mucking around a little bit, and he finished up even better. The first couple of races that you won on him came from from back in the field. Then that day we saw him at Eagle Farm on the fifth of June. He was on speed and put them away. Was that just something you stumbled onto that day, or was it a plan, or, or how did that come about? Uh, well, look, I thought from the... He's sort of a, one of those horses that gets back and he's going to loom around. It. Like, but uh, with the Eagle Farm, when the pla- you know, first plan didn't go to win, uh, rolling forward, that he sort of just shocked us all that he kicked him even better in front, you know? But like I said, he's a bit of a momentum horse, and like learning about him every start... He's just yeah, showing us all what he can do. It's pretty, uh, pretty exciting for the future. You've been riding for some time. I, I think it goes without saying this is probably the best horse you've ridden. Is there any pressure on you or within yourself when you go out onto the track knowing that you're riding a boom horse, probably one of the biggest boom horses in Australia at the current time, and he's such short odds? Do you feel any pressure yourself? Uh, I don't really feel pressure. Like It's a big pressure, sort of like do the job probably but I mean like having all of a sudden underneath you like he's the best horse in the race like you so in my head is a certainty all you have to do is just guide him and let him do his thing and he just he shows everyone and makes your job a whole lot easier than you know like an average horse so yeah I was about to say, you could make a mistake in a race and he might only win by five, so you could, you could get away with it. <laughs> yeah, it might help him a little bit to bring you back a little bit, but nah, like yesterday went in 12 lengths. I don't think anyone was expecting that. No, no, exactly right, exactly right. It's been a wonderful, wonderful ride for you. Excuse the pun. Look, thanks for joining us this morning. Um, you won't forget this horse in a long time, and I know you're going to be watching him very carefully in the future. 100%. No, thanks for your time, guys. Appreciate it. Anthony Allen joining us this morning. So I mentioned uh, that uh, Incentivise is now the Caulfield Cup and Melbourne Cup favourite. Now, I know you're one that normally uh, reacts to that. You, you say it's a, um, an overreaction. Mm. Would you put that in, in that category? <laughs> um, probably still, yes. Mm. Um, but, uh, like, I had reservations going into yesterday, so I was proved well and truly 
w- way off the mark and there. And the first winner too. Two to Kaka. Well, yeah. We'll come to that I later. Didn't exactly I didn't pot them, but... Um, so I was a bit left gobsmacked yesterday to, mm. to keep posting those big margins clearly and the, the home 35 and a half, the overall time's quick. So he keeps posting the time. So oh, I'm excited, to, just like everyone, David, to see him get down there and and um, see how he does measure up against the, the silk department in the spring. He ran the 2,400 metres in 229.76. Brimham Rocks holds the track record 229.23. But if you break the 230 for the 2,400, it's, it's good going. And they're not getting their track records this year compared to when, when Brimham mm, Rocks um, true. did that. So it uh, runs overall time. He can run a sectional and he's putting margins in. Yeah, there were, Mirage Dancer, obviously not at his best, but he still went OK yesterday and destroyed him. Well, Steve Tregay is, or has been the trainer of Incentivise and he's always kind enough to give his time. Steve, uh, well, what do we say? Just another just another blockbusting performance, as I described it as. Yeah, it was great. Great experience today. Uh, he hasn't met the real good horses yet, but he's setting up in class. He seems to... Uh, by the sun, lots of load, so that's, uh, that's exciting for the future. What, well, when does he leave the stable? Uh, well, he's still there now, but he'll just come home to the park and work and uh, give him a break and see how he does. But the plan is um, three or four weeks here and then shoot him off. I think the pressures are up a bit. Uh, don't quite understand the qualifying to those races in the south and uh, Ray uh, Sokolsky. We just seem to have lost um, Steve there. He may have been travelling. We'll try and get him back. Um, so yeah, um, three or four weeks, I think Steve said in the, in the, in the yeah. And Greg Carpenter made the point yesterday that um, that does he's now ticked the box for the first qualifying for both the Caulfield Cup and the Melbourne Cup. So that's uh, um, as Steve said, the pressure's off from that point of view. Okay, Steve's back with us. Steve, sorry about that. We just had a, a little technical hitch. So. You were saying that um, uh, a short time in the paddock. Uh, Peter Moody was there yesterday as well. Yeah, he came up, um, I think, to to visit his mother in Toowoomba on uh, Friday and had a bit of time with us and had a good look at the horse and followed him around a bit. So um, that won't um, that won't hurt. No, certainly not. I think Peter said his job now is not to stuff it up, um, Steve. But, uh, <laughs> I asked you yesterday whether pre-race whether there'd be any sadness associated. You said none at all. Um, is there satisfaction from your part personally? Because he, he's all you to this point. You've bred him and, and trained him and brought him to this point. There must be some level of satisfaction. I know you're not an overly, you, you, you don't go over the top on things, but surely there's some part of you that sort of thinks yeah, this yeah. has been good. Yes, there is. There's yeah, a lot of satisfaction in uh, in breeding and and training. That for sure. Yeah, there, there is. But, uh, you know, there comes a time where, um, you know, given my age, I'm not sort of that interested in travelling horses anymore, even though we've done a bit of it. Um, I've got any commitments here at home with the stables in town and the farm, which I'm sort of quite happy Um working here during the day um so you know there comes a time when you have to uh, you know do the make the right i suppose steve i'm not putting words into your mouth but i'm sure i've heard you say on, on more than one occasion once this deal was stitched up and it comes to the end which it has uh for you the the pressure will be off and you can enjoy the ride do you still feel that way oh absolutely yeah absolutely um you know um 
there's a lot of uh, a lot of um, worry leading into every race just to make sure everything's um, spot on. You know, watching how much they eat all the time, watching their weight, and you know, checking acceptances and <laughs> what sort of thing. Mm. As most trainers know, it's a it's a almost an hour by hour leading into most races, and uh, you can make it as as uh, intense if, like, as you like leading up to a race, but um, the big races are obviously uh, more important. You tend to follow what's going on more, so there is yeah, it's quite a bit of a bit of pressure, and um, and I don't uh, I don't really thrive on it. Some people thrive on it, but I don't really thrive on it. So um, you know, I'm, as I'm happy when it's over, it's a sense of relief. Is anything else? Um, have you spoken to your new partners um, in? Well, in the last 24 hours, I imagine they're happy with the decision they made after the the Eagle Farm race to, to buy into the horse. Yeah, well, um, Bray particularly is ecstatic. Um, <laughs> they both they both are. Um, Aussie sends a few texts occasionally, and you know they're both they're obviously both very happy. Just before you go, we were talking about this broodmare, Miss Argyle, last time we spoke. Uh, is she still? In, are you still breeding with her? No, she died from foaling okay. last year. So she's had she had actually had ten foals in a row. Um, the tenth one died, and the eleventh one was uh, the one that was in when she when she died foaling. So no, she was a great man. She had ten foals, the one foal every year for ten years, which is quite remarkable. And 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 just before you do go, um, we just spoke with Anthony Allen. You 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 gave a special tribute to him yesterday at the presentation. Yeah, well, Anthony's a great, great fella, and I've said many times, um, you know, a very underrated rider, and he's written, I suspect, more winners for us over, you know, probably a 10-year period than any other rider, and uh, I, I can't say I've ever been unhappy, maybe once, <laughs> with, with a ride of his, but, um, you know, he's a, he's a real trier and a real work, a, a really humble little fella, so he deserves... Um, deserves all the success. The other story around yesterday, Steve, was that it wasn't even the original plan to, to be in the race. It was just on Monday when you saw the, the noms were so light. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. I hadn't seen it. The obvious, well, as, as I've said before, we spaced his runs always because he's a light-framed horse. And he was a bad doer, so we've had it early in the piece, so we've had it locked in that, you know, his runs would be... And uh, I think I said after his first start uh, to one of the boys up here at the track, you know, we're going to freshen him up for a 2,000 metre race. And that's the mindset we've had with him all the way along. So um, it was always in the plan to, um, to go to that race. And then, you know, after the change of ownership, uh, the thinking changed that uh, he needed to win at stakes level, to, you know, be um, to press his rating enough to make him even a prospect for those races in the south at all. So, um, you know, that was the plan, given all the history. Um, but then when I looked at the numbers on the Monday and saw that race, I suppose I knew it was everywhere, but it wasn't seriously considered. And I thought, well, we'll chuck in a nom and see what it looks like. And, and then the ball went rolling from there and he, he, he kept eating and kept doing well. So away we went. But um, that's, that's what you have to do with horses, I suppose. You've got to quickly change your plans. What has it done to his rating? So where's he gone from this preparation to where's he likely to land after yesterday? Yeah, I, I don't really know, but he'll go up substantially, that's for sure. I think Bray said something about 100. 
um, in Victoria, which the rating system similar to Queensland. So I, I don't really know. Um, you know, I suppose they're hoping his rating went up to get him in, but um, yeah, well, I suppose we'll work all that out when the dust settles and the handicappers will have a good look at it. But I don't they'll bother rating him in Queensland. No. Uh, if he, if how he's going there, so they might just wait till he gets back. Yeah. If he get. He was 82 yesterday, so he's going to have at least a nine in front of his name if if, if uh, nothing better. Steve, uh, once again, congratulations yes. on the job you've done. Uh, thanks for your time during the carnival, and he has been, I think, uh, uh, without argument, the star of the carnival, the, rev- the revelation, certainly, of the carnival. And We look forward to the spring. It's going to be a, a great ride for all of us Queenslanders watching him. Yeah, it'll be very interesting to see. Good on you, mate. Thank you. Steve Tregay joining Bye. us this morning. Won't it be interesting when Incentivise runs first up? Where will it be? What distance will it be? Yeah, that's right. And we'll all be watching. We certainly will all be watching. The nation will be watching. Uh, it's been uh, quite extraordinary because I've said this before, I'll say it again, you don't see horses win. You see horses win five, six, seven in a row. I, I get that. But you don't see horses win by those margins in staying races. Interesting one for you to follow up. You could do an impressor and get Nathan Burke on and see whether there's any other horses that have made a similarly... Like, he would have risen 40 points in the last mm. last month, this horse, I would imagine, through the ratings ranks. It's um, just fascinating. Nathan's a regular listener to Pass the Post, so that's a job for you today, Nathan. <laughs> I'll be ringing you later in the afternoon. <laughs> and we can't really talk about the beaten division. They all had their no, chance, didn't they? But good call too, David. I, I thoroughly enjoyed that call. You captured the moment really nicely, and it was all about one horse and mm. uh, just spectacular to watch. You have to try and capture the theatre of the moment. Well, speaking of theatre, there was plenty mm. of theatre with the Battle of the Bush presented by the Tab. This is always a, a great spectacle, and a, it's a real crowd pleaser. Whoever wins, let's have a listen to the replay with Ben Hall calling. 400 metres left to go in the Battle of the Bush. Trommelschlagen turn in first. Balente back to the inside. Then came Fully Max, rather salubrious, out in the centre. Then came Arwanichi starting to wind up with Tango Rain. Middle of this is in the centre. Down towards the distance marker. Balente the leader. From on the outside, Fully Max, rather salubrious coming at the pair. Then Arwanichi. Balente's the leader. Rather salubrious is coming quickly on the outside. Rather salubrious moved up, hit the lead. It's go to pass Battle of the Bush. Rather salubrious beat Balente. Awanichi, Manila Miss, Estelle Girl, Tango Rain, Galapagos never got in the call, then Fully Max further back in the field was Sweet Venom next over the line, Trommelschlagen got tied, then Sharanda further back, Tango Rain, OY next over the line was Hit Snooze further back, Evie, uh, Evil Eye Mac, then came Raiden was near the tail Zillator, one of the last ones to greet the judge in the Battle of the Bush of 2021 Rather salubrious Victory for Dave Reynolds out of Dolby. There was no happier man in Australia after the win of Rather Salubrious, and he's joining us this morning. Dave, congratulations. Yeah, thanks, guys. It's uh, pretty um, pretty unsurreal, I think. Now, you, you, you sound a little quieter than what you did <laughs> after the race yesterday. Did you celebrate last night? Yeah, I think I did have a run with everyone on course and every other <laughs> venue we attended. So, yes. What does this mean to you? What, tell us what it means to you, what, what happened yesterday. Oh, mate, we, we love the bush and the concept is unbelievable. We've supported it since day one. Um, I've been a very vocal supporter of it to make sure that there's, they're actually genuine bush horses that go around in the race. You know, like, it's for the bush, it's massive. It, it, it really is. People just don't know what it means to people like us to get that opportunity. 
David, he started out life uh, in Victoria. You got him off Paul Pruska back in the early or beginning of 2019. So uh, at what point do you did you sort of set in progress targeting winning a battle of the bush? Well, she... <laughs> She won. Um, she actually won a maiden at the Gold Coast, and I thought, oh, we've got something not too bad here. And we took her around. She ran dead last and couldn't get her to go in the next two starts. So I put her in the paddock and I sort of just thought, well, maybe she's not that good. And we got busy with a few other horses. Mm. Um, I come home one night and she went over a five barbed wire fence, and um, she broke every wire on the fence. And she would have had a scratch on that didn't even draw blood. Um, I said, I said, Dan, she's no good. This horse, any other horse would have been dead. So, <laughs> um, like, and uh, yeah. Anyway, so we just looked after her and gave her another month off, and all of a sudden she just got better and better. So, um, yeah. So she certainly matured. That's probably what's, and yeah, it's gone from there. I'm just having a look at uh, her record. You mentioned that win at the Gold Coast. That was back in March of 2019. We've had wins at Mount Perry. We've had wins at Monto. We've had wins at Chinchilla. Uh, also, Eidsvold, Cumbia. We keep charting the course here. Monto again, Chinchilla again, and then Gundawindi, of course, before the big success yesterday. So she certainly qualifies as a country horse, doesn't she? Yeah, she does, and she probably deserves um, to uh, go to town a little bit more than I ever have. But, look, as I said, for us, it's about winning in the bush with those owners. They're genuine. Um, they're genuine just country people, you know. They're, they're off properties. Um, Mitch works for um, Australian Agriculture uh, Company, AACO. And, um, yeah, like, they, you know, that's what we do. That's where we go. That's where our horses come from, you know. So, yeah. Um, Dave, you snuck a run in at Eagle Farm back on the 5th of May. So you're in really well there as a midweek race. Uh, that that sort of run stacked up really strongly for yesterday. So that must have given you confidence at that point that you were well on target for this race. After that run, I said to Wendy, I said, if she gets in, uh, she'll handle the track, she'll run the, the distance, and her quality will, will get her there. I, I've always been confident. I've played it down. Uh, good mates with Danny Hall, and I said to him earlier in the week, "Do not tip this horse. Do not, <laughs> do not say a word." He did though, um, and he did, and I was filthy on him. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, look, I, I have been confident, and like you know, close people got on and had a good bet, and were really happy. And yeah, I, I was over the moon. But yeah, I, I knew what we had. So we've talked plenty about uh, the Bear Brothers celebrities. What about yourself? Is training a full-time caper for you? Uh, it's turning into one now. I, I actually um, had a business carting um, byproducts out of the Dolby Bio refinery, and they've um, shut down. And yeah, I've, we've, I've got a farm, 350 acres, run a few wagyu, and yeah, now our horse numbers are just building up. And, and well, after I don't know what we're going to expect after what people were saying to me last night of what they want to send and where they want to come to. So. Yeah, it's probably going to turn out to be a bit full-time, but at the moment I'm still being a bit of a hobbyist and trying to do the best I can to earn a dollar. Wendy Peel was just as much a part of the story yesterday. Terrific for her to get a, a win like that. And you spoke at the barrier draw on Wednesday about um, you know, putting putting a jockey like her on. Look, we, yeah, um, you know, 
when Wendy's done the hard yard, she had that bad accident. Um, she was riding really well before that. Um, yeah, and she's you know she's on the comeback. She's I knew when I put her on, and I seen the look in her eye when I told her that if this horse gets in that race, she'll ride. And I said, she's the girl. She will just, she will give it the best run. She will do whatever she can to win. So, well, she won yeah. a she won a tenth race yesterday. She's been placed on seventeen other occasions, and she basically doubled her earnings yesterday. She earned one hundred and twenty k before yesterday, and the first prize yesterday was one hundred and sixteen. So, it's a big payday. It's probably one of the, the biggest day in your training career, and. Uh, there were so many people at Eagle Farm to watch. So I hope you had a good time. hope you had a good night. And, and thanks for being with us this morning. Good, guys. Thanks very much. And up to Queenslanders tonight. <laughs> exactly. Dave Reynolds joining us. The trainer of Rather Salubrious. And, uh, look, it goes without saying this battle of the bush is a, a wonderful concept. I'm glad they didn't meddle with it. It's the third running of it. Mm-hmm. They've kept the concept as it is. And it's a, it's a winner. It always was from the get-go. And they, they haven't tinkered with it. And yesterday was a great, great spectacle. Yeah, it is, and it adds so much atmosphere to the to the meeting as well. And I just thoroughly admire the commitment that everyone involved puts into it, given the distances that a lot of them have to have to travel. I mean, Dave's one of the ones who who didn't have to travel as far. Although, as you outlined, he's, he's travelled around to to find suitable races for him. And you could never underestimate the what what this means to these people win lose or draw it, it it's hard it's hard for them to put into words and it's probably hard for us to put into words but it's just that that feeling they get uh, and, and if you can win the, the pride involved so congratulations to all concerned of all the competitors and it's one race I, I actually don't broadcast but it gives me the chance actually to to watch the the theater and yeah. it was a great spectacle yesterday yeah. really good Let's go to the first race of the day. This was a, a listed race, the longest two-year-old race we have here. It was over 1,800 metres, only a small field. And the Kiwi, the visiting Kiwi, Tutakaka, was an odds-on favourite. Down below the 400 metres, and Tutakaka went up to KT Reynado, headed it off, and p- got away now. Balmorris three legs behind it, then Cal Pernia and General Wolf. Down below the 200 metres, and Tutakaka is opening up now. Three four lengths in front. Balmorris runs into second. General Wolf might get third, but wasn't, wasn't that the easiest money in the world? Tutakaka, one by four. Balmorris second, four away third. General Wolf, KT Reynado fourth, and Cal Pernia last of the five. Yes, it was easy money at the short odds. Tutakaka having only his fourth start. Melody Bell's half-brother uh, for Tony Pike and uh, Michael Carl. Michael Carl had the ride. He was the beneficiary, of course, with so many jockeys not able to ride. Uh, yesterday, due to the COVID situation, the city jockeys returned home. Michael hopped on Tutakaka, and as Michael joins us on past the post, um, you earned your money pretty easily there, mate. Pretty easy, David, wasn't it? Yes, it was a um, little more than an exercise gallop for him. What field does he give you? Because it's a little hard to assess him from yesterday. It's fair to say he only beat four runners, and we wouldn't describe it as an outstanding race. But what what impression have you got of him, oh, David? I think he's a he's a very I think he's a quality young horse yeah. uh, going forward. He, from the, I rode him for the first time at the Sunshine Coast when he ran second to a Tony Golan runner. He, he's very strong late. That last uh, part of his races when he's at his best and. I feel that he's uh, he's potentially a Derby horse, whether he gets there or not. But that's the that's the feel he gives me. I think he's going to um, he's going to have no trouble at all with those distances. Overall time very slow. He's zipped home in a really quick section. They don't go much slower than they go in, than they went in that race, do they, Michael? They went very slow, Nathan. You're right. Yeah, they were cantering. 
and they're actually getting a little bit slower coming up towards about the 1200 and unfortunately Norrie Masuda on the leader went a little bit quicker because my horse was just starting to get a bit keen but he was okay after that but he's from the 600 metres that's when he um that's when the race begins for him really and he um no you're right though they, they did go a pedestrian pace Michael, you're a senior rider, and I would describe you as a, 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 a gentleman rider in the sense that um, you, you, you're very modest, you're humble, you, you call a spade a spade. I want to ask you a question, and, and uh, I know you'll answer it honestly. The last two meetings at Eagle Farm, we've seen a, a, not a tendency, it's been a pattern of horses getting wider on the track, and, and the results have been those that are out wide have either won or finished prominently. Uh, have you seen that pattern develop over the last four meetings at Eagle Farm? Certainly, David. Yeah, certainly. It's. Uh, I think yesterday they came wider earlier in the day than they had at those previous meetings. But uh, Stradbroke Day, as and the day the, the good meeting before that, as the day went on, they progressively got wider. But yesterday they were pretty keen to get out there, even for, I think from about race three. Mm. And I expected it. I, I had a feeling that's how the track would play, but I, I didn't. Uh, I didn't think. That ground had uh, proved to be superior so early in the day. And, look, it's not ideal. It's a group one day. Uh, it was a good four. And you've got big fields like the Tats Tiara, 17 runners, trying to get into a section of track where there's probably room for eight or nine horses or even less on, on what you'd say would be the premium ground. So it, it doesn't make for ideal racing, really. Well, I suppose that the next question is, what do you what do you put uh, put that down to? Have you got any idea? I'm I'm at a I'm at a loss to answer it, David. To be honest, I, I walk the track as you know, and it, not only me but other jockeys, my competitors say it's hard when you walk it. It's not like there's an exaggerated difference mm. as as you sometimes find on various tracks, but. You walk it up before the first race and, and there's not a lot of difference. You say, oh, the outside might be slightly better, but it's probably not worth, if you're in, if you draw, draw well and you're in third or fourth, a couple off the fence coming to the turn, it's not worth losing that, that amount of ground to get out to that part of the track. Mm. But as the day goes on, the, the result, you, you can't argue with what you see. Michael, David said to me off air, he spotted you and Craig Williams go and walk the track only 20 minutes before the tiara. So is that a... Um, would be unusual, wouldn't it, to walk the track again through the day for you? Uh, Craig does that a lot. I do it occasionally, Nathan. If I think I've got a bit a, a really dense and I'm just want to um want to confirm what I think, mm-hmm. and I've got time, I'll try and do it. But yesterday, because of the track was playing, and we just wanted to have another look from the 600 metres on, and yeah, it was it was evident you didn't really want to be right against the outside fence. That probably two horses from the outside fence wasn't as good as just inside that part mm-hmm. but that there was it was a clearly it was a superior part of the track right out there i think from the middle wasn't uh wasn't a no-go zone but you certainly didn't want to be within about five or six of the rail mm. interesting comments and appreciate them thanks thanks for your time this morning michael uh, you're welcome david thanks nathan thanks michael, michael carl joining us this morning <laughs> and uh, as i said he's the right person to ask because he he calls a spade a spade. If it's good, it's good. If it's not good, it's not good. And um, I thought his comments were interesting there. Yeah, and you can't ignore what, you, what you're saying. They're, they're all wanting to get out there. So that was Tutakaka, and um, uh, Keem's been very quiet overall, haven't yeah, they? Yeah, yeah. But he was brought here with a deliberate plan for that race. Mm. Um, 
you know, get, don't get many of them. They run an 1,800-metre two-year-old race at Flemington each July. Sydney used to. They stopped that in about 2013. But, yeah, given the, the thin staying ranks, you'd think that, well, you know, wouldn't be surprised if he does sort of measure up to some nicer races in the spring, David. Is that 1,800-metre uh, race worth pushing on with, whether with only a field of five yesterday? Uh, it, it'll, it'll be one of the things that's discussed post-carnival, but I wouldn't think that they would shelve it after one year. No, and uh, I agree with you there. Let's go to the running of the Tattersall's Gold Crown, a new race for mares over the 2,100 metres and attracted a good solid field. Polly Gray was an easing favourite. Up to the turn of the Tattersall's Gold Crown. 500 left to Rana and made of all lead from Deepwood Vale. Windermere comes calling three wider. There's a big gap for La Greaser and she goes from the inside to give Brave Chase. Celebrate right to the outside. Walking, flying all of a sudden. Is getting a real wriggle on her. Then Zaydani. Polly Gray not doing enough. They're spread across the track. They're getting wider. Windermere is still in front from Maid of Ore. Walking, flying, Celebrate. Zaydani right down the outside under the roses. 100 left to run. Look Look at Zaydani going home too well for them. And Zaydani wins the gold crown and won it easily. Been either walking, flying or Windermere. Selimane ran fourth. Polly Gray next. Never a chance though. Then made of all La Grisa. Well back Isabella's spring. Wild Sheila. And Deepwood Vale last over the line. Yes, for the training partnership of Ben and JD, JD Hayes. Uh, Zaydani was too strong on the day. And like Michael Carlin the first, Andrew Mallion seized an opportunity when uh, Karen McAvoy couldn't ride Zaydani and uh, he gave her plenty of time to settle, find her feet, and she was strong at the end. Yeah, she, she certainly was, and you pointed out yesterday that you expected that type of performance from her. That's their first week uh, in the training, the new training partnership mm. in, in the setup, so that's a, a nice start for them with a stakes, stakes race. And she's probably got a future that mare. You know, she'd run well in the, the South Australian Derby last year and hadn't had a lot of racing since, and she was clearly the superior stayer in that race yesterday. Yeah, I'd like to delve more into her story. Just we don't, don't have the time, but she's only had the, the, the well thirteen starts after yesterday, and she's a rising five-year-old. So there's obviously been, some, mm. but well, potentially some issues along the way. But the the, the good form reference, you go back to that Derby of yeah. Russian Camelot, Warning and Dallas, and she ran fourth in that Derby, yeah, that's right, two thousand and twenty. Okay, that was Zaydadi, uh, Polly Gray. Uh, I think uh, once we didn't get any rain. Uh, her chances probably lessened, and that was reflected in the market. Yeah, you'd put the pen through her at Eagle Farm, I would think. But she's actually run a lot better than looked like she was going to run it on the turn, mm. Dave. She was hard ridden at the back of the field at the 600. So a lot of the others obviously got very tired. Um, walking, flying, ran well. She's She's been honest the whole way through this campaign. She just was beaten by a better stayer. Let's go to the last. If they'd left it any later, you would have needed a torch to find them in the Healy Stakes. But uh, the race was run and away game and Jen rules. The two girls were the best back runners. And that's what Osmanov is doing. He's hightailing it in the lead. He hit it for home with a big break from Dr. Zeus and in good time. Jen Reels exhilarates making their runs together. Away game, King of Hastings trying to run on. Osmanov coming back to them. Dr. Zeus battling away gamely. Exhilarates joining in. Wider is away game still running on. Exhilarates went to Osmanov. Away game right down the outside. Away game exhilarates. Bella Nipatina late. Away game. Away game in the gloom. Beat either Bella Nipatina or... Exhilarates, then Osmanov, Jen Rules, King of Hastings, Hightail, Hailbad had him, Dr. Zeus, Hilo in good times, Zanaya, and redouble out towards the tail. 
Zaniah, geez. I thought, <laughs> I kept thinking is the name, but I said, this is all right. Yeah. Never passed a horse. I'll pass one horse, redouble, <laughs> ran last, was ran second last. I think I've got to give up on these long shots in the last races. Away game was good. I, I, I sat a chat with Kieran Maher after the last, and as I said to him, I don't think many map makers would have, would have had away game position where she ended up being. No, that's interesting you, you say that. The, the last time she was ridden off the speed lock, that was the Magic Millions, which would to, was her best win. She was dynamic that mm. day, sort of sitting off them. And ever since, she's been an on-speed mare. Uh, I thought she was disappointing first up when she led at a really soft temper, but clearly fitter for that, and I think that's a better way to ride her. Exactly, and she might be going to the Breeders' Cup, I believe. Um, oh, wow. Uh, Kieran was talking about, but we'll, we'll follow that up during the week. Exhilarates uh, good, uh, suited over 1,200, but that's the end of the road for her. And Bella Nipotina was, uh, of course, uh, another Ma Eustace runner. First run for the stable, and uh, her record, her strike rate is poor, mm. but but uh, as Kieran said, riding her more quietly was the plan, and it, well, almost paid dividends. She but, wins in another few strides, doesn't she? But they wouldn't be disappointed running uh, first and third in the last race. Other winners to talk about. Redoute's image has found um, uh, the right niche of form. Back-to-back wins for her. She had to carry a bit of weight yesterday. Nothing flashed with the margin, but got the job done. Yeah, and a beautiful ride from Craig Williams. He just, she looked, you would have thought, under seas, but she, he was able to lift her and, and just saved enough in the tank to find enough to stave off the challenges. Melissa Miamichi, good return in that race over, that she'll be better over further. Jaden Lloyd secured his first Saturday Metropolitan winner on Garoppolo. Uh, big drop in the weights and not drawn to the inside. You, you nailed this yesterday and uh, Garoppolo was too strong. Yeah, and, and great images afterwards. Jeff Lloyd listened to the race from his car and then Jaden then hightailed it to the car to get a, get a lift to the Gold Coast with his dad so he could complete engagements there later in the day. So no doubt a proud father, but he, he, he was listening on the on the radio as opposed to seeing it in person. Kingston's, Kingston's here was good, but the start was uh, costly. Gosh, that was an extraordinary betting move. Um, ninety that horse, and uh, whether the assumption was, David, he, he would just cross and lead, but that was out the gate soon after the... When, when they jumped, wasn't it? When he landed out the back. You've got a big following, see? 190 <laughs> in from 240. Unbelievable. And uh, another uh, race to mention, uh, shooting for gold uh, for, for Steve O'Day and Matt Hoy said, Bailey Nodif. Well, another... the stable disciples tipped in again. Yes, well, I was on this one and um, <laughs> I had a nasty fright in the straight when he went for that run and it closed. I wasn't thought, it was a cool ride. Yeah, but um, once he then had another go and got through and I think this horse is... Uh, capable of, of going to greater heights. What those heights are, I'm not 100% certain, but he's got a good strike rate. He's got a good turn of speed. I think he is good early in his campaign mm. and the distance range, I believe, anyway, 1,000 to 1,200. They, they they went to the 1,400 during the summer. Uh, maybe with more maturity, um, he, he might be able to cope with that now, but but at the moment, he's he's a good prospect. He's been at his most dynamic at those short courses, hasn't he? Did you think? Would you think, describe it as a cool ride or did he overdo it a touch? Uh, no, well, the, 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 he, it, a run did close, um, and he—I heard him post race say that he, um, if he tried to ease out and go around, but he said this horse, if you can hold him up, that's what he wants. He can to really do, dash quickly, so he—he he was probably a bit, bit uh, anxious, but but wasn't, didn't totally throw throw the toys out of the cot. Yeah, Vega one style, and that the, the later the, the gap opens, the, the better he was, and he, he did explode through it when it got it appeared. So there's one more throw of the dice. That's the Sunshine Coast next Saturday where we'll have the, the Wigs Guineas, the Group 3 race, the listed Calandra City Cup and the listed Glasshouse. And uh, 
Uh, hopefully, with good weather, we'll have a, a good card. <coughs> excuse me, that will round out our carnival for 2021. Um, unless something absolutely extraordinary happens next Saturday, uh, your <laughs> highlights so far, or, or not so far, your highlights of the carnival? Uh, just the emergence of the these really promising horses. I think um, you know, Zaki's, as you mentioned, Ayrton, I think, is going to mm. win a good race. And, about it. Converge has been a little bit forgotten, but I, I think he's a potential star three-year-old next season. And, um, of course, incentivise. Exactly. Let's have a listen to a couple of races from Sydney before we call it a day. We'll go to the listed Civic Stakes. A wide betting race, but in the end, Bandersnatch was the best back runner. Bandersnatch narrowly from Fender at the 350. True Detective behind those. Thorin battles. Tricky Gals running on. has gone past Rania. Then followed Sambro. Bandersnatch trying to fend off Fender. Then followed Tricky Gal out deeper. It's Bandersnatch. 100 metres left to run. Clear. True Detective. Tricky Gal. Try hard. But Bandersnatch goes from barrier to box and wins the Civic Stakes. And won it well. Beat Tricky Gal and True Detective. Fourth, either Fender, Rainier or Wanderbar out wider. Then followed by Sambro. Uh, Threud never came on at all today. And Thorin was one of the last ones in. Yeah, Bandersnatch for Team Hawks and Brett Navdala dictating the terms up front. Good strike rate this horse. Seven from 19. A few of the, our visitors uh, to the carnival were in the also-rans. Rainier, Fender and Threud. Yeah, Fender may not just see out 1,400 metres. David would be better back to the 1,200, but... Um... He's going pretty well, Bandersnatch. Let's have a listen to race seven. This was over the uh, 1,800 metres, a benchmark 88. Great house was heavily bagged, black figures to red. Tory joint the 300, still a couple clear. Opo- Opacity's off the rail now, if good enough. Muberis is running on. Great House is next. He just had to readjust his course there. 150 to go. Muberis hit a narrow lead from Opacity. Brutality and Great House are coming late, particularly Brutality on the inside. Brutality over the top late. The backup works this week. Brutality beat either Muberis, Opacity or Great House. Then followed Tory Joy, Commander Bell, Primitivo, Mr. Marathon Man, gone by. And towards the tail end, Milkman. Yeah, Brutality, the winner there. He's been honest without winning, but he broke through on that seven-day backup, as Mitch Manners outlined. It was the middle pin of a riding treble for Reagan Bayless. Of course, Brutality, trained by Joe Pride and Bretton Abdullah. We mentioned him on Bandersnatch. He also rode a treble at Rosehill Gardens yesterday. A late switch, of course, from Randwick with the COVID situation. Nathan, thanks for your time and uh, one last uh, throw of the dice for you. I'm past the post next week and then look forward to that. We'll put you to pasture until the, <laughs> till the spring. I don't know if I need to go to pasture. Or the summer. <laughs> Good on yeah, you, Thanks, mate. David. Thank you. Nathan X will be joining us this morning. And, folks, thanks for your company. It's always appreciated. Uh, uh, we've had a, a great carnival, but still, as I said, one meeting to go, Sunshine Coast, next week. Join me tomorrow on Press Room. Uh, we'll have plenty of news and views. Always interested in what you think. That's tomorrow morning at 8.30 Queensland time. Have a good day. Bye-bye.